0: I think most Texas fans are excited about the future of the football program under Steve Sarkeesian, but how would this program look if Brian Kelly was the coach instead of Sark? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns we are discussing Brian Kelly or Steve Sarkeesian at the University of Texas in the second segment we're talking about the 2022 class and some players that need to step up on the field this season and last but not least I get into some of your YouTube comments live and direct on the show all of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every So I know there's some people sitting at home wondering why I am bringing you a hypothetical Brian Kelly or Steve Sarkisian question on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. SEC Media Day started yesterday and all of the coaches are doing a multitude of interviews. I cannot wait. I will be in person at SEC Media Days next year. And Brian Kelly was asked something about the LSU job, taking the LSU job last year. And he said originally he was not interested, right? And he looked at the LSU opportunity as a long list of opportunities that came across his desk that he was not willing to leave Notre Dame for. And he mentioned some opportunities specifically. He mentioned opportunities in the NFL. He mentioned an opportunity at the University of Tennessee and he mentioned an opportunity at the University of Texas. Right. So we know that Texas showed some interest in Brian Kelly in 2021 before ultimately landing on Steve Sarkeesian. Now, the question isn't who is a better coach, because it's obviously Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly might be the best coach in college football without a national championship. Right. The more fair question for Steve Sarkeesian is who would be the best coach for the long term success and health of this football program? And I don't really know the answer to that. And I think we have to take a wait and see approach. On that, I will say that I would rather personally root for Steve Sarkeesian because I think that Brian Kelly is a little corny, but I'm a Texas fan, first and foremost, and I want them to win games. So if we got to hire a corny coach to get back to the top of college football, then I'm all for Brian Kelly. But obviously, that's a hypothetical that's out the window. At this point, I'm going to try to make the argument for Brian Kelly or Steve Sarkeesian, but I want to know what you all think. Who do you think would be better or would have been better for the long-term success and health of this Texas football program. When you look at Brian Kelly, amazing resume, 273 wins, 100 losses across five schools at five different levels. When you look at it, Grand Canyon State, Grand Valley State, excuse me, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and LSU. He has won everywhere he's gone. Two college football playoff appearances. I know they didn't go... way that he would have liked you know i know they didn't look competitive in at least one of those games maybe two you know i can't really remember correctly but getting to the college football playoff is an accomplishment right even tcu as bad as they lost to georgia getting to the national championship game is an accomplishment right you know we can't only celebrate the people that win it because only one team can win it getting there when there's only four teams in division one football that get to the college football playoff that's an accomplishment brian kelly got there twice and he was ten and four at lsu there was a lot of people that you know thought that he got comfortable at Notre Dame and should have stayed at Notre Dame because he could not make that jump to the SEC and went at a high level. And in one year, he wins the SEC West and goes 10 and four with really only one bad loss, which was to LSU. I mean, to Texas A&M, who was talented. Texas a is talented enough to beat a lot of teams in the country. They just happened to go five and seven last year. So Brian Kelly has a hell of a resume. And when I look at the pros over Steve Sarkeesian, these would be the pros if Brian Kelly was the head coach at the University of Texas, is he's a proven winner. I just mentioned it at five different levels of college football and three different, you know, power five conferences. I guess the Big East isn't a power five conference now, but at one point it felt like one, you know, and then in the ACC and the SEC, He is a proven winner, right? We cannot say that about Steve Sarkeesian, who is essentially a 500 head coach all time and definitely at the University of Texas going 13 and 12. You would think that Steve Sarkeesian has the recruiting advantage over Brian Kelly, but Brian Kelly had a lot of really talented players that have made the NFL and done well at Notre Dame. And in his two years, one full recruiting cycle at LSU, he has recruited two top seven classes. So, You can't say that Steve Sarkisian has significantly out-recruited Brian Kelly since they've both been in their respective positions. And I think that he is a CEO-type program builder, right, where we still don't know if Steve Sarkisian is a great head coach or he's a great offensive mind slash offensive coordinator. I think when you look at Brian Kelly, I don't know what his identity is, right? I don't know if his identity is on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if his identity is on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if his identity is on – Special teams, right? But you know what you're going to get from Brian Kelly coach teams week in and week out. It's that consistency, it's that grit, it's that mental and physical toughness in a team that is going to play football for 60 minutes, right, while he oversees everything. And like I said, he has done that at five different levels at five different schools in college football. Brian Kelly is the perfect CEO type program builder that you want at a school to take them to the next level. And we forget because LSU just won the national championship in 2019, but that program had gone to hell after Ed Orgeron, Joe Burrow, uh well, it really went to hell under or Ed Orgeron. But after Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Joe Burrow and all of them left, they immediately went right back to being bottom seller LSU. So him going 10 and 4 in his first year at LSU and winning the SEC West is a hell of an accomplishment. I think anywhere Brian Kelly goes, maybe outside of the NFL, he would win and have one of the best teams in college football. He's a proven winner. And I think when you look at the last two years at the University of Texas. I don't think they go 13 and 12 if Brian Kelly is the head coach. I'll take it a step further. I think they make the Big 12 championship game and possibly win it last year if Brian Kelly is the head coach. So unquestionably in my mind, he's a better coach right now than Steve Sarkeesian, right? but would he be better for the long-term success of the program? One of the biggest cons of Brian Kelly, and I can't say it's a huge con because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is winning games, but he can be really rigid and I don't think that he is the best at forming and maintaining relationships, right? I think you can find a lot of former Brian Kelly staffers and players that maybe respect him, but don't necessarily like him on a personal level. And I think that eventually that wears on people, right? Even if you're winning games, if you don't have great relationships with the boosters and the people, you know, high up at the university, your coaching staff, your players, you know, eventually that, that that burns bridges and wears people out. And I don't think that Brian Kelly is the type of coach that could stay at a university or a program for 20 years, because even if he's winning, eventually he's going to start to wear on people so much that you would rather move on from him than continue to deal with him on a year to year basis, where I think Steve Sarkeesian is so well liked and respected that if he can win games and continue to compete at a high level at the University of Texas or start to compete at a high level, he might be the type of coach that stays at the University of Texas for the next 20 to 30 years, right? So if it's a con, you know, I think that Brian Kelly can be a little rigid and may struggle to maintain relationships. But when you're winning 73% of your games, we could take a little rigid, right? When you look at Steve Sarkeesian, 59 and 47, not great. All-time as a head coach, 13 and 12 at Texas, not great and not the standard. At the University of Texas, when you look at the pros, the quarterback recruiting, if Brian Kelly was the head coach, we probably don't have Malik Murphy, we probably don't have Arch Manning, and we probably don't have Quinn Ewers and quarterback is the most important position on the field. Steve Sarkeesian is recruiting that position at a rate that's only rivaled by Lincoln Riley, right? So if you're bringing in the best quarterbacks in the country every year or quarterbacks that are at the top of their class every year, eventually you should start to compete at the highest level in college football. I'm not sure our quarterback room would look the way it does if Brian Kelly was the coach instead of Steve Sarkeesian. The offensive potential, right? We're looking at an offense and a team at the University of Texas that should be elite in that regard every year. Texas should be top 15 at worst every year offensively. I don't think you can say that about a Brian Kelly coach team. Now, maybe overall the team would be better, you know, even though I think the defense has made a lot of strides and we're a really good special teams unit, but it's always good to be able to hang your hat on one side of the ball. It's always good to be able to say, no matter what, we should be able to go into every game and put up 35 to 40 points on people. Now, There were some inconsistencies with the offense the last two years in terms of play calling and stalling out in the second half. And it still concerns me that in the two biggest games last year, the Texas offense did not score a touchdown or they scored one touchdown in TCU and the Bama game combined. They only scored one touchdown. That's on Steve Sarkeesian to me. And he was supposed to come here and be an offensive guru. So why in our biggest games are we struggling to score points? So. I think I love the offensive potential of Steve Sarkisian more than what we would have with Brian Kelly. But at the end of the day, the result comes down to who is scoring more points than their opponent. And in some of the biggest games we've seen at the University of Texas thus far, Steve Sarkisian has failed to put a competent offensive product on the field. And a pro, which was a con for Brian Kelly, is relationships. You know, I think when you hear the players and, you know, the coaching staff and people around the program, the recruits and the families talk about the culture and the relationships that have been built under Steve Sarkeesian, it just feels like the Texas football program has done a complete 180 since the Tom Herman era, which really was just two calendar years ago, right in 2021 when it ended. So I think that Steve Sarkeesian has done a really good job of rebuilding this program and you know kind of taking it to the next level in terms of the talent that he's brought in the talent that they've gotten rid of and you know the culture they've built over the last two years but the facts are the facts and what matters the most is he is a 13 and 12 head coach at the university of texas thus far so I think you could certainly make the argument that Brian Kelly would have been a better coach for the University of Texas and would be better long term for the health and success of this Texas football program. You would not be wrong. I'm choosing to side with Steve Sarkeesian and saying even though the first two years might have looked better under Brian Kelly, I think the next 10 years will look better under Steve Sarkeesian. And I can't wait to see these two head coaches go head to head when we get to the SEC either every year every year or every other year a quick word from our sponsors and then we're getting into some 2022 texas players from the 2022 class i should say that need to step up on the field this season Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, When you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, your official partner of Major League Baseball. You better go put that wager in for the Rangers to win the AL West. They're up three and a half games right now. Eventually, it'll be six or seven. Go put some money down right now and make some money at the end of the season. available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so the 2022 class was a revelation for this Texas football team, and I think the 2023 class ended up being even more talented, and I can't wait to see them on the field. But I think this year is the time where you start to see you know, the majority of those 2022 players make an impact, right? And I'm not writing off anybody that doesn't make an impact this year, but especially those players at the top of the class, you want to see them contribute to winning on the field this season. And we saw a few players, you know, last year that were able to do that. Jalen Gilbo at times, I think Austin Jordan, you know, of course, Kelvin Banks, uh, you know, who was a preseason, you know, all big 12 first team pick who was really good last year in a freshman, all American, but now you want to start to see the majority of that class, you know, take that next step and really contribute to winning on this Texas football team. And I think we have a ton of talent, but I think there are four players that really need to have a big season for Texas to reach their ceiling and their highest goals, right? I think Texas will be really good no matter what. But if this Texas football team wants to make and win the Big 12 championship game and at least be on the outside looking in of the college football playoff, then I think these four players need to have breakout seasons for the university of Texas. I'm starting with DJ Campbell, number one, and based on the play of Kelvin banks last year, you would forget that DJ Campbell was our number one rated player in the 2022 class and going into year two for DJ Campbell. I know we've dealt with some injuries there, but we're still having the conversation on if DJ Campbell or Cole Hudson is going to start at that right guard spot. And that concerns me a little bit, right? Like I said, I'm not writing him off. It's only his second year. He might spend three more years at the 40 acres and end up being a dominant guard, but we're comparing a top 30 player in the country to a top 500 player in the country. And I know stars don't always mean everything, but the recruiting sites typically get it right a lot more than they get it wrong. To me, It's the year and it's time for DJ Campbell to step up and be a really good player for this Texas football team. Also, my two biggest concerns going into the season are the interior offensive line and the pass rush. Right. The interior offensive line was not great last year, but you have a super talented, super athletic, very physical, dominantly physical prospect in DJ Campbell that should be able to get on the field and at least give you 80 percent of what Kelvin Banks gave you last year and I think in the reps that he got last year he was really good but there were some penalties maybe some mental lapses and overall Cole Hudson ended up back in that spot so you know I think that you know between Hayden Connor and Jake Majors Cole Hudson can find a home there and there will be a healthy competition but for this offensive line to improve on what we saw last year for this offensive line that needs to be better than it was last year. I think you need DJ Campbell to not only hit on his recruiting ranking, but to step in and be really good for this Texas football team. You don't have Bijan and Roshan anymore to cover up the lapses of the offensive line. We are expecting this Texas offense to be top 10 in the country. That's not going to happen with two effective offensive linemen out of five. I think for this offensive line to reach their full potential, for this Texas football team and this offense to reach their full potential, this needs to be the season for DJ Campbell to step on the field and live up to that five-star ranking he had coming out of Arlington Bowie. My number two and three player is Ethan Burke or Justice Finkley. And I think both of them are going to be heavy players in the rotation. It really doesn't matter who starts. And like Bo Davis has said in the past, we don't have starters. We just have a collection of really good football players who are going to, you know, rotate in and whoop your ass, right? He didn't say the last part, but I'm adding that in, right? That's what he meant when he said it. And when you look at, you know, Ethan Burke and Justice Finkley I think people have had concerns about both, but together, I think they make a really good tandem at, you know, the opposite edge position, but the best defenses at any level of football can rush the passer with four. And I thought we did a really good job of getting pressures last year. I thought P. did an amazing job of dialing up some unique blitzes. And we have a lot of players on this team this year, you know, that could be really good blitzers for us. And Jaron Thompson, Jalen Catalan, you know, Jade Barron, Anthony Hill, the list goes on and on. So we'll see a lot of those packages. But. When push comes to shove, you have to be able to rush the passer with four. And I expect a really good season from Baron Sorrell. We know what to expect for the most part from Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. But we don't know who's going to be on that opposite edge position or what they're going to give us, so whether it's Ethan Burke or Justice Finkley or a combination of the two, Vince Jamon, Tap Colton, Vassi, whoever they put in there on that opposite edge position, but specifically from the 2022 class, I'm looking at Ethan Burke and Justice Finkley. They need to step on the field and be really good for this Texas football team this year because it can't be just and Terrell, Tavondre Sweat, and Byron Murphy, and then we get no production from that other side. And that's what it kind of felt like last year, even though Ovia Agufu was you know, pretty good in the run for the most part throughout the season, he really didn't give you anything in terms of a pass rush. And I think that's why still we lacked in that department. For us to be a really good defense, we need a really good pass rush. For us to have a really good pass rush, Ethan Burke or Justice Finkley will have to fill that role and contribute at least five sacks to this Texas football team this season. And my third player is Jare Bledsoe, a D tackle. He is listed at 274 pounds right now, so he's somewhat of a tweener, right? But when I look at the long-term help of that position, right now it's good with Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, uh, I think Sadir Mitchell, and Trill Carter, right? And then you have some other players in that room, Aaron Bryant and Vernon Broughton. But when you look at it next year, if you lose Alfred Collins, that's who I forgot to mention, right? But if you lose Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy, and Tavondre Sweat, now you're going into next season with a lot of question marks, right? Okay, is it going to be Vernon Broughton, Sadir Mitchell, and Trill Carter? That's a decent room, but that's not the room you want going into the SEC. I don't think it's also hard to find really talented big body players in the trenches in the transfer portal, even though you were able to bring in a player like Trill Carter, you can't expect to do that every offseason, right? Good coaches for good pro good football programs do not let good players in the trenches. Leave their football program. So you would expect that the players on the team right now need to step up and be ready to take on a bigger role next year in your first year in the SEC. And I think Jare Bledsoe needs to be a big part of that, because like I said, the depth and the overall talent in that room right now is a little questionable. And We haven't seen Bo Davis recruit that position at a high level since he took over in 2021. So I think Jare Bledsoe needs to step on the field and be really good this year. And they need to start to see some development from him this year because he's a player that we need to count on next year in the SEC. Like I said, when you look at that room next year, it looks a little underwhelming in terms of overall talent and depth. But if Jare Bledsoe develops into a really good player on the 40 acres, that could go a long way into making that interior defensive line room a lot stronger in your first year in the SEC. A quick word from our sponsors, and then I get into some of your YouTube comments live and direct on the show. All right, here we go. So I did an episode on Big 12 Media Days reacting to Steve Sarkeesian, Jalen Ford, Quinn Ewers, and all of the players comments. And this is a comment from Picasso8946. That press conference explains why this guy gets number five and number three recruiting classes in two straight years. And who knows where they will end up this year in the 2024 class. I'm very excited about the entire Texas coaching staff to develop. I completely agree. The players they have brought in have been really talented. The development we have seen of those players so far and some of the players that were here before the Steve Sarkeesian era has been very promising. The only thing left is to win on the football field. And I want to ask Picasso now, would he rather have Brian Kelly or Steve Sarkeesian? But I completely agree. With his analysis. Thank you for your comment. I did an episode on the offensive and defensive depth on the Texas Longhorns football team in 2023. And I think I made the point that depth hurt us last year, right? Because we lost the Alabama game where Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carr looked completely different as quarterbacks, right? And Chess King 29 made a really good point. Hudson Carr did not get the same type of chance versus Alabama. Sark went ultra conservative when Carr came in. That was on the coach and play calling. I definitely have to acknowledge that I was at the game and it did feel like, you know, the crazy offense that Steve Sarkeesian was running in the first quarter, you know, with his offensive script changed the last three quarters. And maybe he didn't give Hudson Card a chance to just air the ball out and win the game. It felt like Steve Sarkeesian tried to back his way into a win in that Alabama game the last three quarters. So that's a really good point from Chess King 29. Thank you for your analysis on that. This was an episode I did a long time ago. You know, some the algorithm is weird. You know, I could do an episode two months ago and somebody respond to it three days ago. Right. So this was the episode I did when they hired Paul Christ. Uh, I can't remember. Padam Sadat and Joe D Camillus as special assistants to the head coach. And this was six days ago. I can't even remember when the episode was. It was over a month ago. But this comment was six days ago. As a Badgers fan, Wisconsin fan, all I can say is good luck with Christ. He's earned the reputation of extremely conservative play calling and an offensive philosophy that dates to 1990. These two factors, among other, including his commitment to Mertz and other reasons, are what made the fans chase Christ out of Madison. Interesting. I want to ask Eric Thompson, 749. Has he ever heard of Steve Sarkeesian? And what makes him think that Paul Crist will have that much input on the Texas offensive play calling this year? Does he think that Steve Sarkeesian is going to sit on the sidelines while Paul Crist is going to call that 1990 offense at the University of Texas? Come on, Eric. But thanks for you know watching and the engagement on my show. Cool hand Luke make my day 8812. 12 That's a mouthful. He <laughs> can't even remember what video this was in response to. But he says, do y'all forget about Sark's second half adjustments or lack thereof? He has not proved to be a great coach as of yet. He was a disappointment to me, in my opinion, until he proves otherwise. I'm not drinking any Kool-Aid. Nobody is even mentioning that. But hey, y'all keep on drinking it. You know, I think it's fair to say that he would rather have Brian Kelly over Steve Sarkisian at this point. And I don't think anybody is trying to trying to hide the fact or sweep it under the rug that Steve Sarkeesian has not been great in the second half of games and He has not been great at adjustments. And I think that as an offensive guru, the offense has left uh, some meat on the bone over the last two years. But I think most people are excited about the future of the Texas football program. We are more talented going into the season than we've been in over a decade. And we have to give Steve Sarkeesian the grace to see if he can figure things out on the field in real time. Now, if he doesn't win this year, then there will be a lot more people with pitchforks and there will be a lot less Kool-Aid drunk in the offseason next year. But I don't think anybody has forgotten about the lack of adjustments or, you know, maybe some shaky play calling or some shaky offense in the second half. We're just ready to move on and expect this Texas football team to be a lot better in 2023. And when I read comments like this, you know, I'm not policing the fans. I'm not telling you how to be a fan, anything like that, because it all looks different, right? When I read comments like this where it's kind of snarky and they're saying, y'all keep drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm not. Y'all love Steve Sarkeesian, but I don't. I just ask yourself, like, ask yourself, are you really a Texas fan? And I know you're going to say yes. Obviously, you're a Texas fan, right? But are you a Texas fan if you're actively rooting against people on the team, coaches, players, whatever? Like, it's the same thing with Ronnie Terry. If you're rooting against, which this comment sounds like, if you're rooting against Steve Sarkeesian, just so you could say, I told you so. Are you really a Texas fan at the end of the day? That's my only question. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them.